How many of you got it pinned on your door or on your fridge or somewhere? I just think it's a really, on first sight, it's a really encouraging psalm. So I'm going to read you it, just in case you're not, haven't got it pinned on your fridge. But we sent these out on cards at the start of lockdown, laminated cards to everybody. Here's what it says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. That's why I'm talking about this this morning, because I think that's what God's been trying to get to us through this service. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you'll take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the COVID or anything else that comes along, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he gives his angels charge over you to keep you all your ways, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you shall trample underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I just want to take you back to when that whole lockdown thing started. It seems a while ago now, doesn't it? But what we did is we had like five declarations that we made. And one of those that is that we would not lose anybody to this thing that had appeared called COVID. And, and that we would be financially stable and we continue to pay our bills and all those sort of things. And, and the, truth, the truth is that what we declared and what we believe for we've stood on and that's the way it is and you see one of the things is we can we can read a psalm like this and totally miss the point you see years and years ago there was somebody and they were talking about some of the things that they'd kind of that had happened to them that weren't very nice and some of it was their fault some of it wasn't but they were saying if psalm 91 says that all these things aren't going to happen to me why do they happen to me and that's a good question but it comes from actually not reading what the psalm says You see, this isn't a psalm about 
a bunch of promises that we're supposed to just believe and it happens because we, we, we follow Jesus. First off, for any promise of Jesus that he has paid for through his sacrifice, through grace, you actually have to have faith. That means you've got to believe in it and trust it. So to the extent you try and sort your own life out and trust in yourself and trust in your own abilities, you're not trusting Jesus. And so if we want to walk in our flesh, we're not even in this psalm. We don't even get in the gate. And you know, one of the things that it says in, in the book of Hebrews, one of the reasons we started Faith Life is, you know, the gospel is preached throughout this land really well. And Hebrews says the gospel was preached to them as well as unto us. But it didn't do them any good because they didn't mix it with faith. That's why we call faith life. Because we want the gospel, what Jesus has died to give us, to do us some good and to actually manifest and be real in our lives. And if, you know, we can preach and we can talk and we can do amazing services and all the rest of it. But if we don't mix it with, with faith and we don't put our trust in it and instead we put our trust in ourselves and our ideas and Auntie Flory's ideas and pastor's ideas and whatever program we booked on to go on next ideas, it doesn't work. Because it's information and not faith. You actually have to put your trust in this and this word has to be the final authority in your life. To the extent it's not the final authority in your life, it will not work for you. So there's no good just saying, banding around great wonderful statements from the front of church if we don't teach people how to believe and make this word the final authority in our life. But most importantly, how to become people of the presence. People who know Jesus for themselves. There's lots of people try and believe things without knowing the promiser. You don't put your faith in the promises. You put your faith in the promiser. And the only way you can believe and put your faith in the promiser is to know him. And so, when we read this psalm, this is actually a psalm about what life is like in the presence of Jesus. It's not a psalm about what life is like outside the presence of Jesus. How do we know that? Because that's what the psalm says. Just read it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. That's who it applies to. This is for that person. And because of that, we, you know, Cheryl and I have been doing this, this journey for quite a while now, but it's switching from all that that functions and doing and all the rest of it, to actually be making the focus of our life is to get in the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. To be that person of the secret place. Because without that, this chapter just gets really misunderstood and people say, well, it doesn't apply didn't happen for me, didn't work for me. 
the number of people who get disillusioned with Christianity because it doesn't work for them. And, and, and nobody tells them about the point of Christianity. The point of Christianity is not church. It's not me. It's, it's not building an organization. It's not even having the stats on the stat sheet of how many people signed a card at the last gospel campaign. It's not even conferences, girls, even though we're going to one today. It's not. The point of Christianity, according to Jesus, the reason Jesus died, according to him, was so that you could know him. Starting from day one when you give your life to him. The point of salvation is not to go to heaven. The point of salvation is to start knowing him right now so that you know when you get to heaven, you recognize him. And you've had conversations with him and you know his voice and you follow his ways. You see, you can't just claim these promises. You can't get access to these promises by having a sticker on your door or your fridge or wherever else you put to them. The only way to these promises is to meet the conditions. It's, it's a bit like, um, you know, when you, you need a PIN number or a code to get access to something on your computer. And, and without that PIN or that code or password or whatever, you can't get in. Well, that's how this works. There's, there's, there's a password or there's a passcode, and that passcode is called the secret place. And without that PIN, without that passcode, you can't get the benefits. I don't know about you, but I'm fed up with people telling me the benefits and them not actually being able to show me how to get them and live in the light of them. We, we've populated our Christian world with talking heads. And we've all got our favorite talking heads. I, I've resolved for me, and Cheryl's resolved for her, that the only people that we're going to listen to are those who are actually moving in the presence and power of God right now. Because they know how to get there. You see, this idea of conditionality, it, it gives us a problem for many of us. Because we've heard things, words that are true, like unconditional love, and about how Jesus uh, did a complete finished work on the cross, which he did, and that he met all the conditions of the law and, the, and fulfilled the law in t totality. I preach that myself because it's all true. But there are certain things that are conditional. Not conditional on us filling a commandment. Not conditional on us filling a law. But a different sort of condition. And the condition comes because we are invited as New Covenant believers to be those who have a relationship with Jesus as opposed to being part of a religion. 
Ships operate on certain conditions. It's just a bad word. But let's imagine that this, this lovely woman that I've been married to for 35 years, yeah? Let's just imagine for all those 35 years, I forgot the wedding anniversary. <laughs> I only did it once. <laughs> bad idea. And I didn't talk to her very much. I'd spent all my time watching footy on telly. And, uh, like, the only, only time I, I talked to Shell was I grunt at her when she's made my food. What sort of relationship do you think I would have with Cheryl? Do you think I would have made it to 35 years? I mean, she's a tough woman. I, I tell you, I wouldn't. But that's the thing, you see, that's the kind of condition you have. To make a relationship work, you've got to work at the relationship. And, the, and, and that's what I'm talking about here. So, so a lot of being, a, being saved and entering into relationship with Jesus is actually conditional about you entering into the relationship. Like, you know, the most famous verse of all, whoever believes in, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him gets eternal life. Not everybody gets eternal life. It's conditional. You've got to put your trust in him. You've got to make him Lord of your life. John 1, 12, as, to as many as receive him, he gave the ability to become sons of God. Well, what if you didn't receive him? What if you don't know him? Matthew 5, blessed are those who are humble in spirit or poor in spirit because they get access to the kingdom of God. The prideful and the non-hungry don't. Why? Because it's relationship. And relationship works with both parties taking part. So we have to take our part. So this, this psalm is, is conditional. And you can only get access to what is in there by responding to those conditions. You see, Christianity isn't one way. It's not something that you can just lie back, put your feet up, sing a three worship songs, and in five years' time you'll find your life is different. Well, actually you probably will, but actually negatively. I know that that's a surprise to the way some people think, but this isn't just about doing nothing with what Jesus died to give you. This is about entering into it and, and getting to know him and growing relationship. And, you know, only you can believe in him. Only you can take this decision that you're going to treat the word as final authority in your life. Only you can take that decision that when everything around you seems to be falling apart and the economy's collapsing and people are worried and you, and, and you hear about all the gas bills and you hear about all the, the dollar and the pound and all the rest of it or whatever we're going to worry about next week because that was last week and it won't sell next week. But when you hear about all that, you have to take the decision that my trust is in Jesus and not in that. And, and that's hard if you don't know Jesus. It's hard if you don't know his voice. It's hard if you've never encountered him and never experienced his presence. It's just hard. And, and in the absence of his presence, what are we left with? We're left with some sort of allegiance 
to an organization that we call church, and that's just the club we joined because we like that one. Guys, don't join a church. Get together with a group of people who call themselves a church who are after Jesus. Not people who are after church. We're after Jesus. And here's the thing. Only you can make the decision to dwell in the secret place. Without that decision and acting on that decision, you don't get past the first line. You don't get into all these incredible things that Jesus wants to do for you. The determinant of our relationship with Jesus is not him, it's us. He, he wants all these things to be real in our life as people of his presence. But if we don't make that first decision to get to know him in that secret place, we... we he can't get this stuff to us. And, and it's breaking his heart that he can't get this stuff to his children because they don't know him enough to trust him. The world cannot promise you any of these things. What the world promises you is if somebody breathes on you and they're carrying a virus you're going to get the virus and you're probably going to die too in the absence of a whatever the world promises you it's going to be horrible and tough and we're all going to go bankrupt and the world's falling apart the world promises you no protection the world just exposes you to everything. And Jesus said, I want to I wanna wrap my arms around you. I want to love on you. And I want to give you my protection. I want to heal you when you're sick. I want to lift you up when you're weighed down. I want to carry you through the storm. Please know me. You know, the problem with the world is, to a large extent, it's fickle, it's unstable, it's unstable, it's changeable. The world will stab you in the back and make a Facebook post out of it. People in the world will climb over you and people will use you to build their own fame and their own standing and their own finances. I think it was one of the saddest decisions that the body of Christ made in the last 30 years when it decided to ask the world what sort of church the world wanted. Because that church was found really lacking when we got to the crisis. The world has nothing to offer the church, but the church has everything to offer the world. We're meant to be different from the world. We're meant to be sold out, laid down lovers of Jesus. 
People who will die to self to see Jesus glorified. So that's the condition really. We've seen Jesus been able to get all these incredible things to us. He who dwells in the secret place. Dwelling is different to visiting. You can visit on a Sunday morning, but to dwell is seven days a week. That word dwell, it's a Hebrew word, yashab. And what it means is this, to remain. That means, if you want to be with Jesus, don't have your phone with you, or your laptop, or anything else. It's about him. You don't want interrupting. You don't even want your thoughts going, oh, I could just look that up on my phone, looking up the verse and finding out like 10 texts have come in in the meantime and start reading them. You're out of the presence. To remain, to inhabit, to sit down, to stay put, to not move, to put down deep roots and to live life from that place as your house. So what, what Jesus is doing, what, what, well, what, what the psalmist is doing, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is he's saying that the lifestyle that he saved us for is we live from this place of relationship with him as if it was our house. We always go back there. We shelter from the storm there. We get fed there. We... we, we Eat, sleep, live there. We make our decisions there. Much of the trouble we experience is because we make our decisions not in that place. We make our decisions on what seems right to us. And I realize that when you start talking about secret places, everybody goes, oh, that's for them prayers. I know they don't mind me pointing them out, but they'll go like that. That's for that Roger and that Dennis and June because they're good prayers. No. The thing is, we've made prayer really complicated. Prayer is really simple. The biblical definition of prayer is sharing your heart with God and letting him share his heart with you. That's what's on offer. I mean, like, why would you turn that down? And yet we do. We think, like, that's not very important. I'm busy. Why would you turn down the opportunity to share your heart with the creator of the universe and let him share his heart with you? When we don't like prayer, when we don't have prayer as important or central in our, our life, we cut ourselves off from relationship. It's kind of like 
me living with Cheryl for 35 years and I've got the top floor of the house and she's in the basement and we don't cross over. We're still together, but that's about it. That's the best you could say. Prayer isn't complicated. It's the easiest, the most simple thing. It's turning my affections towards Jesus and saying, in this moment, Jesus, for as long as you want me to be here, my affections are towards you. Tell me what you want to tell me. Share your heart with me. Show me what needs to change. Show me what, what, what you've got for me. Show me the messes I'm making that I'm not even aware I'm making yet. You know, when we think of meeting Jesus and we go, oh, that's a great conference because you could really sense the presence there or whatever. And then we go away and nothing's changed. Well, yeah, it was a great conference. And you might sense the presence of Jesus. You might have just had some really good musicians who create atmosphere. The two aren't the same. But what you've actually done good as it is, is you've rented an Airbnb, visited it and gone away again. Whereas Jesus is asking you to build a house for him in your heart. Where he's there every day. You can't uh, impart this. Some people think that because somebody prayed for them, then everything will be perfect from then on. Or I just need somebody to lay hands on me again, 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 again. You can't impart this. It's actually just a history of building a relationship. Because it's actually about romance. It's about the great romance of the ages where a God who turned, who we turned our back on as an adulterous people pursued us so that he could be with us again. So much so that he would die to do that. I'm going to carry on with this next week. But I just want you to see this thing. When I talk about this place, this house, this home, this dwelling place, where is it? And you say, well, it's a secret place. It's a place of prayer. Yeah, that's right. He dwells in the secret place of the Most High. This is not your secret place, it is his. You don't own this secret place. <laughs> it's his place, he owns it. It's called his throne room. And when Jesus ripped that temple curtain in two, he invited us into his throne room. 
We're not asking Jesus to come to our bedroom. We're asking for access to his throne room. And that can only be ever done through the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can lead us there. Only the Holy Spirit can show us Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can, can, can share the heart of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit's the one here. He's kind of this connection between the throne room and us. And when we connect with the Holy Spirit, he connects with the throne room and we're through. I know that sounds mystical. But it's only mystical because we haven't been doing it. It's the simplest thing around. It just takes time. It takes waiting on Jesus. And you say, well, how do I do that, Mark? How do I learn all these things? Yeah, superstar pastor. I have absolutely no idea. Because I can't teach you how to be you. The only person that can teach you how to do this and show you how to do this and, and where you can learn this is the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That's what Jesus said he came to do. So we ask the Holy Spirit to show us how to enter into the presence. And that takes time. And our, our busy life kind of mitigates against that. And we've got to push back on that one. But we've also got to remember that when we're in that place, again, it's kind of gone out of fashion. Because we like it to be about us. But when we're in that place, we're actually on holy ground. We're in the throne room. We're connected to Jesus himself. And it, it's not about any crazy stuff. It's not about flippancy. It's, it's not about rote. It's, it's not about taking things for granted. And even those who have known to walk with the Holy Spirit and have encountered his presence, somehow we... We've got into this mode of taking it for granted. And we kind of think, oh, I'll just rock up and it'll be okay and the musicians will get us there and that'll, be, that'll keep me going for the week. And yeah, I had a great time. It won't. It's holy ground. It's not for playing and being flippant about, and not caring, and not valuing. The house that he's inviting us to is the most valuable piece of property in existence. And when you go in there, you take your shoes off, and you make sure you don't make a mess on the floor. Because he's there. If it doesn't feel like he's there. And you don't know if he's there. He's not there. There is no mistaking the presence of Jesus. Once you've encountered the presence of Jesus. There's no mistaking it. 
The mistake is made by those who don't live in this presence of Jesus, and they mistake atmosphere for presence. An atmosphere kind of makes you go excited, and it gets the adrenaline flowing, and it might make you feel nice, and it might feel it make you feel a bit goosebumpy. But the presence of Jesus will permeate your whole being when he comes in the room. It'll be like somebody's thrown a blanket in the place. He'll set you on fire inside. You, you, you want to be there. You'll, you'll not be able to wait to get back. I was praying and worshipping in my little man cave. My man cave is where I go for the secret place. And uh, what I do is I kind of pray and I shut my eyes and I, I actually ask Jesus to show me like what posture do you want me to be in? I know that might sound really weird. But if he wants me standing, I want to be standing if I'm worshipping. Because then I can do this. And I can abandon myself. If he wants me to be kneeling, I want to be kneeling. If he wants me to be flat on my face, I want to make a mark on the carpet, an indent, where I was squashed in. You know, I want to do what he wants. And, and so I was worshipping and, and I really just saw Jesus showing me Myself, on my knees, with my hands like this, worshipping. So that's what I did. And it was just like, I was there and it's just so hard to describe, but it was kind of like the temperature changed, the air was thicker, and I just knew he was there. I'm thinking, the worst thing you can do, Mark, now is talk. So I just waited. And I'm thinking, like, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to do? What's, what's going on here? Oh, I just want to be with you. Let's just take a little time together. You can't mistake the presence of God. But once you have the presence of God, you'll never want to let it go. Jesus said that the disciples must not do their mission and do church without the Holy Spirit. Precisely for this reason. And you think, I, these guys have been with Jesus three years They've cast out demons. They've raised the dead. They've healed people. They've had bread and fish multiplied as they gave it out in their hands. One of them's walked on water. They've seen limbs grow. They've seen people come out of graves. They've seen Jesus on the water. He's seen in calm storms. And Jesus turns to them and says, you guys are not qualified to do church you guys are not qualified to do what I told you to do 
and what I need you to do. So I want you to wait on me and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to take of what is mine and show it to you. He's going to show you the things that are to come. He's going to give you power to do the things I've asked you to do. And we sacrifice all that for church built on management principles. And we think we're successful. It's breaking my heart, it really is. That we don't want Jesus. We don't really want to know him. We want to know about him and all the good stuff he can do for us. But we think we can build his church without him. And we shove the Holy Spirit out of church because we think he's an embarrassment. The Holy Spirit anointing is the only thing that will turn this world around. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts sinners to genuinely give their lives to God. Not us, not great sermons, not altar calls. Without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it becomes a card-filling exercise. We have the message that the world needs right now, and they don't even notice us. And we congratulate ourselves on how many people came to our conference. How many people fill our building? How many people turned up last week? How many people have joined this program or that program or whatever program? And the reality is, every week in this nation, there are fewer and fewer and fewer believers. We're just gathering them into bigger buildings. Why? Because in the absence of the Holy Spirit, that's all we have. The problem of telling you the truth is it kind of, You know, he could raise this question like, well, I'm not coming to church anymore because that's just... No, that's not the point. The point is when we're here. We can learn. When we're here, we can grow. When we're here, we get to love on people with the same love that Jesus has just shown us when we met with him the day before. We get to serve. We get to pour out our lives for other people the way Jesus did. The great beauty of coming to church is we get to practice all the amazing things he's done in our life in changing our hearts when we met with him. That's why we gather Celebrate what he's doing. Celebrate the miracles. Love on each other. Serve each other. Care for each other. Learn how to go a bit further with each other. Stir each other up. 
That's what we're about. Anyway, I'm going to come back next week on this because um, I haven't got anywhere with my journal. Let's stand. Father, I just want to thank you for giving us Jesus, for sending your only son into this world to save us and rescue us when we couldn't rescue ourselves. To give us new life through your spirit and access to your presence through your spirit. Lord, help us to know that this is all about knowing you. Help us that when we say that Christianity is relationship and not religion, that is a truth to us. That is a reality in our lives. Let us not settle for less. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.